This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino, step off the roller coaster, and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today is May 17th, 2022, and I am your host, Taylor Lote. This episode is to give you an update on the status of the real estate market generally. We're gonna go over a couple of things around the single family and then the commercial real estate markets just to update you on the latest data because we wanna have data-driven approaches to our real estate investing process. So first off, we're going to start with mortgage forbearance and loan forbearance, which is something that really spiked during the coronavirus pandemic. When folks were concerned or not able to pay their mortgages, there were a lot of forbearance programs and regulations put in place so that lenders had to provide borrowers with forbearance. Some of the latest data as of the end of April, April 30th, is that mortgage forbearance is down this year and it's continuing to trend downward. It spiked early during the pandemic and then now we are down to 0.94% or 0.94% of mortgages are in forbearance. That is down 11 basis points from the prior month when it was at 1.05% of servicers portfolio volume. And the link is in the show notes if you guys want to read this information for yourself. So this means more and more borrowers are getting out of forbearance and we're starting to return to a more normal situation in the mortgage world where people are paying their mortgages or they're getting out in some way and we're getting past all of these forbearance programs. That is in contrast to during the Great Recession or just prior to the Great Recession with all of those borrowers going to foreclosure and then those properties leading to flood the market. We actually are seeing buyers leaving forbearance now and either hanging onto their homes or moving toward foreclosure, but still making their way out of a distressed situation, which is a good sign for the real estate market in general and its ability to hold the current prices and continue to progress upward. People are going to be less distressed moving forward. And I'll encourage you guys to go in and read this article for yourselves. There's a very interesting chart in here that shows the loans and forbearance by investor or borrower type over time. And you can see that the forbearance spiked for each of the different kinds, generally around May or late May of 2020, and has gradually continued to trend downward as we've exited the coronavirus pandemic. Some of them took a little bit longer to spike, but really we're on the back end of those things. And the distressed borrowers are getting those situations worked out gradually. Things are not getting worse as a result of, say, increasing interest rates or things like that. Those borrowers still have equity in those properties. So they're still either incentivized to work things out with the banks, sell the property, or generally exit and not cause a massive flood of inventory to the market. And that leads me to the next topic, the next set of data that I wanted to discuss with you here today. And that is that almost 45% of homeowners are now equity rich. And that is a direct quote from a Housing Wire article that I'm going to be sharing with you again in the show notes. I'm going to read a couple of excerpts out of that here today. To pull one aspect in particular, quote, about 44.9% of mortgaged residential properties in the first quarter of 2022 
had at least 50% equity in their property, according to Adam, a, a research agency. The portion of mortgaged homes that were equity rich rose from 41.9% in the fourth quarter of 2021 and from 31.9% during the same period in 2021. So that means homeowner equity is up pretty considerably from just last year and then prior to the pandemic. And again, we're comparing this to the Great Recession and the conditions that precipitated the Great Recession and really leading to the conclusion that things are not the same now as they were before. People have significantly more equity in their homes than they do now. And if we do start to see prices decline in single families, borrowers will still have, still have considerable incentive to hang on to their properties and continue to make their mortgage payments. Whereas prior to the Great Recession, we had a lot of folks getting into properties with exceptionally little equity so that when the values fell, well, they're underwater, why would they continue to pay the mortgages walked away from those properties that didn't have the ability to pay the mortgages in the first place? The situation is different now. Even if they lose the ability to pay those mortgages, they still have a big incentive to figure it out because of how much equity they have in their properties. And that's far more typical for recession conditions. Remember, the Great Recession was actually the exception to the rule. Most recessions are not centered around housing and they're not driven by housing. There are other factors that come to play. And most of the time when there is a recession, which we may indeed be in right now, housing doesn't take a massive price correction. There may be stagnation in some ways, and sometimes housing costs continue to rise because people focus on some tangible assets that they can own. They focus on paying those down, getting into properties, and getting out of Wall Street. So the conditions here, by my reading, all of the data indicates that the housing market is still very healthy, especially the single family housing market. Now, these conditions are definitely very difficult for first time buyers and new homeowners because properties are expensive right now and affordability numbers are very bad. And that is a headwind to the single family market. But for those of us who invest in large multifamily, that's a tailwind. That's pushing us along because people are going to be pushed to remain renters in the long term. So we're going to have more demand for rental housing, which is a bullish factor for multifamily investors. And now let's move on to the commercial and multifamily real estate space and get the recent updates there. Again, we're looking at hard data produced by industry experts. This is again from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Commercial and multifamily mortgage loan originations increased 72% in the first quarter of 2022 compared to the same period last year, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association's quarterly survey of commercial slash multifamily mortgage bankers originations. In line with the seasonality trends, originations during the first three months of 2022 were 39% lower than in the fourth quarter of 2021. That means in the first quarter of 2022, originations were down compared to the fourth quarter of 2021, but that was expected. That is the normal trend that happens year to year. The most notable factor in my mind, the most notable fact is that Q1 of 2022 was significantly higher than Q1 of 2021, even factoring in that seasonality change. We're comparing 
season to season or quarter to quarter. So that number, that percentage increase includes many kinds of commercial real estate loans. So let's dig into the specific kinds because there's some pretty wide discrepancies here in which ones are massively up and which ones are pretty healthily up. So let's get into that. So this is again, quoting from this article, compared to a year earlier, a rise in originations for hotel, industrial, and retail properties led to the overall increase in commercial and multifamily lending volume. So centered around hotel, industrial, and retail properties. By property type, hotels increased by, get ready for this, hotels increased by 359%. That is huge. The hotel industry is back. Industrial increased by 145%. Again, huge. And retail increased by 88%. Healthcare properties came in after that at increasing by 81%. Multifamily increased by 57%. And office increased by 30%. So they're all up very considerably. Again, hotels are just dominating this breakdown and followed up by industrial. Then multifamily and office are bringing up the rear. Another very interesting factor here are the folks who are actually investing in these loans and and buying these loans. So let's get into the investors who are investing in these loans. So quoting from the article, among investor types, the dollar volume of loans originated for depositories increased by 194% year over year. Life insurance company portfolios increased 81%. Investor-driven lenders increased 77%. CMBS, commercial mortgage-backed securities, increased 56%. Government-sponsored entities, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, increased 1%. So Fannie, Freddie, didn't really increase at all. And basically, it seems like a rounding error, largely driven by lending from the the market, which is, I think, a great thing to see. We're seeing more demand for these loans from the investor side. So great things to see. I see a lot of positive things on the lending side, both for single family, residential properties, owner-occupied properties, and for larger commercial properties, kind of irrespective of the asset class, there's still plenty of demand and there's still plenty of health in the capital markets for all of these, which is, again, an awesome thing to see. If we go back to looking at the Great Recession, there were many factors that caused the massive downfall, but one that we cannot forget, that we have to keep front in our mind, were the issues with the capital markets. If you've seen the big short, right, we're talking about all of that securitization and how that market just completely dried up. And then the federal government stepped in and saved all of those entities and added liquidity to the market, all those things that happened. That was not necessarily related to the real estate itself. That was more related to the capital markets and the financing around the real estate. And we still see plenty of health in the capital markets today. Now, of course, we're going to keep a close eye on that. And as real estate investors, we should have our eyes and our minds and our plans focused on the long term. We should pay attention to what's happening day to day, month to month, week to week in the markets to see what's going on and stay plugged in. But our investment plans, our our strategies with our properties should be far longer term than that. And we should always be prepared to weather rough seas because 
rough seas are pretty much a guarantee. They're going to happen. We're not likely to see to necessarily see them coming, and we need to assume that we won't. So that means being prepared with long-term financing, having reserves for our properties, capital expenditure reserves, operating reserves, and just being prepared for, say, maybe a dip in collections or just issues that can come up along the way that are outside of our control. Preparedness will help us out and help us through those situations. Anecdotally, I'm still involved in the single family retail market. I'm still shopping for a new primary residence for myself. And remember, I invest in large commercial multifamily, but I don't see my single family endeavors as investments. I'm just looking for a new home for myself. So I'm involved in the retail side of the single family market. And this past weekend, I went out and looked at houses and I'm seeing a bit less traffic than I saw before. There's still plenty of interest in going and seeing these properties from the market, but it's not the total feeding frenzy that I saw a month to two months ago. Now, personally, I'm very picky in the type of property that I'm going to put an offer in. I like to really look and make sure that it's the one that I want, but I'm seeing a lot of folks out there putting still very aggressive offers on these properties. So there's still plenty of demand in the market, but it does seem to be waning a bit for the retail side. As mortgage rates go up, Prices are still, again, what I'm seeing anecdotally, holding steady in the single family market, at least in my area. There may be some softening in other areas, but we still have migration from more expensive markets to the less expensive markets like where I live, which is still driving up prices for single families, making them generally less affordable and also pushing up rents. We've seen huge increases in rents. And my expectation is as interest rates continue to go up, at least until we hit an actual recessionary condition that the Federal Reserve will respond to, like an increase in unemployment or a massive drop in inflation, then I expect interest rates to continue to go up, especially for the rest of this year. Something to be prepared for. I'm sure many of you out there, whether you invest in the stock market and Wall Street or not, you're probably keeping an eye on you're probably hearing about the huge drops and huge corrections in the stock market. Maybe you're seeing the drops in, say, the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum and all the other cryptos going on out there. Just I encourage you to keep your eye on the long term. Always plan for the long term. Be ready for those rough times. And don't get too caught up in increasing interest rates. Just focus on your business plan. How are you going to deal with the changes in the market? And how does your business plan handle that? Do you have adequate reserves? Are you using long-term financing if that is consistent with your, again, your business plan for repositioning the properties or how you're investing in these deals? But from what I'm seeing from the data, once again, the capital markets data and the more anecdotal experience of being in the market, the housing market is still strong. That may change as interest rates go up. Who knows if they're, they're going to overcorrect and maybe they'll jack interest rates too high. Well, if we pay attention to the data, then we will see that happening in real time. We don't want to get too caught up on it, but we do want to keep an eye on what's going on. So that is a bit of an update here for Tuesday, May 17th of 2022. I want to thank you guys for joining in with me today. If you want to look at any of those resources that I talked about today and those articles, just check out the show notes. The links are all in there. Read them for yourselves. Let me know if you come up with a, a different conclusion than I did, or if you have additional data, 
I'm all ears. Reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you guys. Love to hear about your thoughts. Once again, this is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. We'll be back on Thursday with our next guest. I'm going to be doing more of these single, just me episodes, teaching you guys about what's going on in multifamily, more general lessons from the multifamily investing uh, experience, the experiences that I'm having, what we're doing as we acquire these more properties, what we're seeing in the market, all those great things. I'm going to be putting more of that information out there from my experience. I figure, why not share? Appreciate you guys tuning in. Catch us on Thursday. Don't forget to subscribe to the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. If you are enjoying it, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so, so much. If you're interested in learning more about what I do and potentially interested in investing with us on a future deal, go to investwithtaylor.com. Fill out the form, schedule a call with me, and I'll look forward to speaking with you then. Until then, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I hope you have a great Wednesday, and we'll see you here back on Thursday. Take care.